Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shalom. Okay, let's transition to the lessons from this week's Torah portion, Vaishlach, the last portion of a trilogy of Parshiot that chronicles the life of Jacob and his rocky relationship with his twin brother, Esau. Two weeks ago, we met the twins for the first time and learned of their rivalry. Initially, in the story where Jacob takes advantage of Esau's hunger after Esau had just returned from a hunt, In this moment of weakness and teenage impulsivity, Esau swears away his inheritance for a bowl of Jacob's lentil soup. Later in that portion, an insidious event occurs. Under the direction of his mother, Jacob tricks his father, Isaac, who winds up bestowing upon Jacob a traditional blessing of tremendous import that should have been delivered to his older brother, Esau. While Jacob secures this precious blessing from Isaac, it comes at a terrible price. Esau vows one day to kill Jacob. Because of this, Jacob flees his home and spends over two decades in exile. Last week's portion tells of his time away, his marriages, his children, and eventual extraordinary professional success as a shepherd. As this week's portion opens, Jacob seemingly has all that he could want, family, fortune, Esau's Esau's sworn inheritance, and his father's special blessing, and yet there is an emptiness inside of him. To fill it, Jacob wants to return home and reconcile with Esau. Though he has matured in age, Jacob is stuck in the transactional ways of relating that plagued him throughout his youth. He sends messengers ahead to Esau to let Esau know he's coming home and bringing his brother an enormous gift of many animals, a present that would normally be considered tremendously generous. But Esau is not impressed and sends back with Jacob's messengers a communication of his own. Brother Jacob, when you return, I will meet you with 400 men. A not-so-veiled code for an army poised to attack. But this does not dissuade Jacob from wanting to find a way to reunite with Esau. When Jacob was young, he was focused on the prizes of wealth and 
status. He had convinced himself he was in a battle with his brother and that he must prevail at all cost. Jacob succeeded, but just what did he win? Let's start with Esau's swearing away his inheritance. Even if there was a way to collect on this pinky swear promise from Esau over the past decades, Jacob had become independently wealthy himself. He didn't need more money. To paraphrase Bill Gates, Jacob had basically realized, quote, I can understand wanting to have a million dollars, but once you get beyond that, I have to tell you, it's the same Lamberger. And what about the blessing? The precious blessing that he tricked Isaac into giving him through lying and deceit? Well, that was worth seemingly bubkis, Yiddish for, for nothing, maybe less than nothing, as it resulted in Jacob having to flee his homeland, his parents, and with that, a shot at ever having a good relationship with his brother at least until now. What Jacob realized after many years away is that the prizes he thought were most precious turned out to be much less significant than his desire to be with his own family. It took him decades to understand that what he wanted most was to make peace with his brother and come home. This was the true prize. The problem was that Jacob had trouble communicating this to Esau and almost lost his life in the process. It took multiple attempts and all of Jacob's emotional and physical energy to figure out a way to exit out of his old habits of transactional engagement and enter a new path of clear, heartfelt communication and sincere contrition. And so finally, in this portion, a limping, humbled Jacob gets ahead of his entire clan and in front of Esau and his 400 men without disguise or guile, bows low to the ground seven times, seven excruciating, painful times, in an attempt to let his brother know he had changed. He was truly sorry and that he desperately wanted Esau to know this and that he was not ashamed to let the whole world know as well. Jacob's breakthrough opens Esau's heart. It turns out that Esau wanted to be in relationship with Jacob too, but his pain, anger, and resentment were such a force within him. Until this moment, Jacob had never given Esau a reason to believe Jacob was capable of being anything but a conniving jerk. Esau makes a mad dash towards Jacob and they embrace. Esau kisses Jacob on his neck and they weep together. The family feud finally ends. The Torah's 
Masoretic Hebrew text, which dates back more than 1,100 years, has dots over the word that translates, and he kissed him, and, and Esau kissed Jacob. It is extremely rare to have dots, markings, or, or anything but Hebrew letters in the Hebrew Bible. In fact, there are only 15 words throughout the entire Bible with, with dots like this over them. Many a scholar and commentator has written on why the dots may be there, but I can't help but think that the pshat, the, the Hebrew word for the simple answer to why the dots are present is that this embrace, this tender connection, particularly after so much strife, is what we humans should be striving for. Our relationships are life's greatest prize. And we should be pulling out all the stops like Jacob did and allowing for forgiveness like Esau did to find our way out of the messes we have gotten ourselves into and to find a path that allows us to be closer to those that are important to us. I know, I know from personal experience and from stories that people in this beloved community have shared with me how hard this work can be. But we should not allow the level of difficulty associated with this effort to keep us from engaging in it. Mark it with dots sticky notes, and whatever else you'd like, caring for our relationships is at the core of our existence and our humanity. We owe it to ourselves and to our dear ones to make this our life's priority. Amen. And know all of your ways and wisdom. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Elohim.